0: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. We've come to a new book, 2 Samuel chapter 1. Not really a new book. It really is the continuation of 1 Samuel. But we are going to be getting into the life of David as king is the primary focus of Second Samuel, and the, the turning point really from First Samuel to Second Samuel is the death of King Saul, which happened at the end of First Samuel. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we dig into his word today. Father, thank you for a new day. Thank you for another day of life. Every day that you give us is a gift and a blessing, and we should be so thankful because we don't deserve anything from you, and yet you, you give us life and health and strength and life. Just your word and your spirit and your son. And we're so thankful. So, Father, be our teacher and write your word on our hearts and help us to see Jesus more clearly, we pray in his name. Amen. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 1. You see the little symbol here in the ESV. Uh, It's really of King David. Uh, That's what that symbol represents. After the death of Saul, when David had returned from striking down the Amalekites... David remained two days in Ziklag, and on the third day, behold, a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And when he came to David, he fell to the ground and paid homage. David said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And David said to him, How did it go? Tell me. And he answered, The people fled from the battle, and also many of the people have fallen and are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. Then David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? And the young man who told him said, By chance I happened to be on Mount Gilboa. And there was Saul leaning on his spear, and behold, the chariots and the horsemen were close upon him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me, and he called to me. And I answered, Here I am. And he said, Who are you? I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me, Stand beside me and kill me, for anguish has seized me, and yet my life still lingers. So I stood beside him and killed him because I was sure he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the armlet that was on his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him, and they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword, and David said to the young men who told man who told him, "Where do you come from?" And he answered, "I am the son of a sojourner, an Amalekite." David said to him, "How is it you were not afraid to put out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed?" Then David called one of the young men and said, "Go execute him," and he struck him down so that he died. And David said to him. Your blood be on your head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan his son. And he said it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. He said, Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of, Z- of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty. The bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. That's 2 Samuel chapter 1 in the ESV. So David receives word of the death of Saul. And there's two things to note, I think, in particular about this account. One is, of course, how surprising it is, perhaps, that David would so deeply and so sincerely grieve for the death of Saul when Saul had been hunting him down for years. We might think David should rejoice because the man who was hunting him down is dead. Clearly, this Amalekite who brought David this news expected David to rejoice over the death of Saul. After all, he brought David the crown that was on his head and the armlet that was on his arm, a gold armlet that would have signified him as king, brought them to David thinking that he would get gratitude and that David would be overjoyed that the king was dead and so people would would hail David as the new king. But David is grieved. He he laments sincerely and longly, and he even writes a lament to be sung throughout Judah. So that's a surprising thing. The second thing that's surprising is this Amalekite lies to David. Don't miss that. If you were with us two days ago when we did 1 Samuel 31, you'll know that what actually happened to Saul is that he fell in battle and he was dying. And he asked his armor bearer, no Amalekite, but an Israelite, he asked his armor bearer to strike him down. And his armor bearer said, no, I can't do that. And and so Saul fell on his own sword and he died. And so Saul was not killed by this Amalekite. So we might ask, then why would the Amalekite lie? I think for the same reason that he took the crown and the armlet. It's Evidently, the Amalekite was the first one to come upon Saul's dead body. And he took the crown and the armlet and he brought it to David. And that's the same reason why he lied, saying that he was the one who killed David. He thought he would get a reward. He thought he might be even appointed to a position of prominence, certainly would get some kind of monetary reward. But as it is, David had him executed. Because by his own testimony, he said that he struck down the Lord's anointed. And that he should not have done. Saul's armor bearer refused to do it because it was wrong. It's wrong to take someone's life. This is One of the passages in the Bible that we can use to understand that somehow this idea of euthanasia or a good killing of someone who's in pain or who's going to die anyway is not something that God looks upon with favor or considers to be something that people should do. You know, euthanasia does not respect life. God is the giver of life. God is the sustainer of life. And God alone has the right to take life. Now, there are God appointed ways in which lives may be taken justly in a just war or in the execution uh, of someone who's guilty of murder. But this man, by his own testimony, would have been guilty of murder because he came to King Saul who had done nothing to him, who wasn't at war against him, had not attacked him, and he struck him down and killed him. And the fact that Saul had asked him to doesn't make a difference. Saul's life was not his own to dispose of as he saw fit. And that's why his armor bearer was right to say no and refuse. And this Amalekite should have said no and refused. Of course, we know he's lying, but I'm just saying by his own testimony, this is why King David here was actually acting justly because he says, your blood be on your own head for your own mouth has testified against you saying i have killed the lord's anointed the bible does not support a euthanasia approach to life life is not something that we possess and that we can surrender whenever we feel like it and we can ask someone to help us end our life because we don't want to go on living life is a gift from god and it is to be preserved except in those cases where someone has been guilty of a capital crime or there is the necessity of of combat in a just war. Um, The last thing I want us to see here in terms of this passage is just this beautiful lament. Um, Again, David could have been bitter. He could have been angry at Saul. He could have only written a lament that praised Jonathan, who was his his really good friend and someone he loved very dearly and someone who loved him. But no, he praises and laments Saul and Jonathan together because he acknowledges that Saul was the Lord's anointed and that Saul was greatly used of God to do good things in the lives of Israel. He doesn't doesn't spurn Saul, even though Saul had done wrong to him, he doesn't hold that grudge and in death he he forgives and he sings praises in this lament to Saul so where do we see jesus here well jesus is the just and holy king who is sovereign over this whole situation and is working out his plan for his people. David here is a type of Christ, one who is going to be made king, uh, and one who is going to be the man after God's own heart. He's initially rejected by God's people and by God's anointed leaders, but yet he is still going to be made king. And Jesus, in the same way, was rejected by the leadership of God's people, rejected by God's anointed leaders, and yet he still ends up being made king. And and how can we apply this passage to our lives? Well, we can trust God's sovereign hand in everything. We cannot hold a grudge against people who have wronged us, but, but recognize them as those who are made in God's image. And if they're a believer, someone who's called by God and anointed by the Holy Spirit as a brother or sister in Christ, they may have wronged us. There may be some disagreement. There may be something that is not right that was done, but we cannot hold a grudge. We cannot try to seek revenge. We cannot uh, just go around, you know, being, being upset. We have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to honor those whom God has called to himself. Uh, and, and I also think that it's important for us to see the value of life here. And so we should be, we should be pro-life in all aspects of our life, including being against mm-hmm. euthanasia um, as something that doesn't please God and doesn't treat human life as what it is, which is a gift from God that God alone has sovereignty over. All right, well, tomorrow, Lord willing, we'll go right into 2 Samuel chapter 2. Hope you can join me for that. And as always, have a blessed day in the Lord. Let's pray, actually. Father, thank you for what you've taught us in this passage. Father, help us to apply it to our hearts and lives. Help us to live as those who know that our life is a precious gift from you, not to be thrown away or taken lightly. Help us to honor those whom you have honored with salvation and life. Help us to follow after King Jesus, our chosen and anointed King, who leads us on in this life. Help us to trust him through all the ups and downs of life, no matter what may come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll see you tomorrow.